Welcome to WeRDB. I'm Danielle, joined as always by Brenton. Greetings. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for our honorable mention this month as we take the opportunity to talk about a great film that just missed out on being on the IMDb's list of the best movies of all time. This month rated at 7.7 on the internet movie database by millions of film lovers from around the world is Primal Fear. Released in 1996, starring Richard Gere and Edward Norton as the two leads, Primal Fear is a crime thriller set in Chicago. It's based on the 1993 novel of the same name by William Deal, um, and Primal Fear is directed by Gregory Hoblet? Hobbit. (laughs) Anyway, yeah. So I suggested this one as an honorable mention. Yeah, I hadn't seen this one before. Had you heard about it ever? Um... Just in uh, Edward Norton's performance, I think. How many times have you seen it? I hadn't seen it all the way through before. But you had seen the ending. I'd seen the end. And I was like, oh my god. All right, because I'm like, if you hadn't seen the ending. I'd seen the second half of it once before I came home and my auntie was watching it. And she's like, you gotta watch this shit. I finished watching it with her. and I was It's like, definitely oh the more god. important half. Mm. It was really good. I liked it, and I liked how... um. It was well paced, but it was like consistently engaging. That's what I had as a point as well, because mm-hmm. I thought it was compelling all the way through. Like, I haven't seen too many court dramas, but they generally have like one or two good parts. That's what you're watching the movie for. While this one, it's always engaging. Yeah. Like, there was no real lull points. Well, and I feel like a big part of that was that they made a point of making sure you could understand what was going on in terms of the legal proceedings. You know what I mean? Because the whole thing basically is set between a jail cell and the courtroom, pretty much. But that said, like, it's a lot about the interactions between people and less about, like, what's going on necessarily. Like, especially in terms of the legal proceedings, there's not a whole lot of jargon. There's a little bit, but... It's really quite easy, I thought, to understand Richard Gere, so Marty's incentives and his motives and stuff for the way he does things. And so you can follow why he's making the decisions he's making. Like, it's acted well, but it's also written very well for the audience. Yeah, a lot of the comments that we make on this are probably going to be reflective on the story and what's in the book rather than the movie, but I'm not sure what the likeness between the novel and this are. Hmm. Yeah, so I appreciated that, because I think that kind of says something when you've got a courtroom drama that's actually engaging, you know. Yeah. And also, like, it takes, because this is kind of typical, like, CSI kind of shit, you know what I mean? It is like, a little, like, yeah. Um, But it doesn't feel cliched. Yeah. Can I just say so, how much I love the 90s? We've spoken a lot on this yeah. podcast about how good movies were in the 90s, but this feels just like... It's aged really well. Mm. I'm not sure if we're going to do much more of a spoiler-free zone on this, so we're going to get into spoilers now. Cool. It doesn't lend much to the to the spoiler-free area. 
Actually, Richard Gere is another actor that I've never seen his work before. Ever? No. I quite like him. Yeah? What else have you seen him in? Mm -hmm. Pretty Woman. Pretty Woman, The Jackal. There's been other things, too. Yeah. The Jackal was the one where I'm saying he was looking hunky. (laughs) Is it old? Yes, 90s. Right. That was kind of his time. Yeah. He's a very interesting character. I love how he's got balls. He's in an interesting position as a very high-up defense attorney Mm -hmm. that he has, like, in with everyone, and he doesn't seem to be scared of anything. Like, because he's hanging out with mob bosses. He was, like, when he was chasing that guy through, like, the homeless area, like, he was not fearful at all. That's another thing that I I didn't even think of when I was asking you about that, because I'm like, wouldn't you be worried that you'd get stabbed? But the thing is, like, he was in with a bunch of junkies, and if his mob buddies found out that somebody had jumped him, like, you basically have protection. Yeah, but the junkies don't know who he is when they're stabbing him, yeah. Yeah, but they know afterwards. Yeah. So, I mean, that might lend itself to why he's more ballsy. I mean, I think he just is, too, as a character, but... Yeah. Um, I liked him as a character. Yeah. Well, I thought it was interesting to watch, like, all the ways he's willing to bend the truth, and he, as a person, you could see he sees truth as relative. Yeah. You know what I mean? In the ways he's like, allegedly, you gotta say allegedly, and just the way he would talk about how would you get this person off, you know what I mean? Like, you don't have to, basically, you don't have to prove that anyone's innocent, you just have to show that they might might not be guilty yeah you know what i mean you don't have to say he didn't do it you just have to make people believe that maybe someone else could have which is kind of why defense attorneys get such a bad rap and he was mentioning that towards the beginning of the movie um Mm. how he doesn't like how defense lawyers are seen in a bad light like that they're always a butt of a joke but Mm. then he goes on to say that he doesn't care if you did it or didn't that's not my point my my job is not to care or find out whether you did or didn't. My job is to plea that you are innocent no matter what the truth is. And that's kind of like, well, is that justice? I don't know. It's his job. He's very good at it. That's what essentially what they do, right? Mm. Snaky. I was really expecting this movie to turn out to be that the Archbishop was touching the altar boys or doing something. I mean, yeah, he was still into sex stuff that he shouldn't have been. But mm-hmm. it took a turn that way that I wasn't expecting. In terms of that he was filming them. Yeah, he was filming other people have sex. I think previously, like with that other witness, I think he was touching that person. Right. I think it kind of developed over Which time. Which witness? The blonde guy who never actually spoke when right, Shaxi okay. was on stand. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that an archbishop character like that was doing shady sexual stuff well before that really came to limelight. As a thing that actually happens. Yeah. I mean, people knew about it, obviously. I think everybody knew it was a thing. It was a butt of a joke, but, like, nobody realized the extent of it. Yeah. Because this is 96. This is a long time ago. And people still knew about it then. Yeah. Mm. That's where I was expecting it to go. Um, this It took quite a few turns that I wasn't expecting. 
I'm like, I'm expecting it to go this way. And it's like, it kind of did, but not really. It did it like three or four times. Mm-hmm. Do you want to go over what those were? Or does it matter? Um, well, I, was, I wasn't expecting that he was going to go down the road of, oh, he's got multiple personality disorder. That's okay. And now mm-hmm. we're like, we're investigating into that what that looks like and what's it like for this guy to go through that and transition and who are these two different sides of him um and that wasn't a thing that i was expecting to have to deal with i really thought they would look more into this alex character um or the third man plea that he was going for i'm like okay how is he going to spin this who is the third man he's going to try and pin it on i feel like there was going to be i i didn't know in myself did he do it or didn't he do it i don't know I, it was it was a hard character to try and pin. In reality, I would think he did, but this is a movie. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I was wondering if someone framed him. That's where I was expecting that to go. And very soon on, like as soon as that multiple personality thing got brought up, the whole Alex possibly being the third man sort of plea just got dropped out the window. I'm kind of mm. glad it did actually because it was more interesting watching the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Like looking back at him, like there's actually a lot of twists in this. Yeah. Like, it goes one way, and then something happens, you're like, nope, it's going the other way, and then something happens, nope, we're going back this way. And so I, I imagine, like, when I watched it the first time, it's like, whoa, multiple personalities, holy fuck. And then at the end, when you're like, he was faking it the whole time, it was, like, mind blown. And it kind of glosses over the fact that he killed his girlfriend. It really does. It really does. That's just a, something that slipped in there at the end there. Because everyone just thinks she split. She freaked out and split. But she yeah. didn't. Like, we don't even know till the end that's just kind of tacked in there. Like, oh, yeah, by the way, I killed her. We don't know why. We don't know how or nut. when. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, he'd have a reason. I think we've spoken about this before, particularly in the episode on Psycho. But is that how multiple personalities work? Is there, like... Would the psychologist not be able to tell that he's faking it is that is that how that works um it's called dissociative identity disorder now at that time it would have still been called multiple personality disorder and she even said he i think he has a disassociative condition yeah um which is the correct terminology is that how it would work like is it like flicking a switch well you can't I don't think you can really do it on demand. And he couldn't in the movie. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I see a lot of people online who claim to have it who seem to be able to turn it on and off. And I'm really skeptical. But also, I don't know a lot about that disorder. So as far as I understand, no, you can't really turn it on and off at will. And generally speaking, though, the reasoning they had for why it happened is pretty typical. It's pretty severe trauma, so your brain, like, your mind just splits off. Yeah, um, I can see that. Yeah, so that, the causation of it, like, the reasoning behind why he developed it is pretty accurate, or why why they believe he did. He's so smart, because he made them, like, how do you do that? You know yeah. what I mean? He's a, psych- he's a psychopath, obviously. Can I just say that snap in court? was gripping as hell. Like, I was just, like, on the edge of my seat, and I'm like, oh, he's going to snap any second now. What? Oh, my God. Like, he just... He goes nuts in court. Like, it's... 
it's very well acted for the character mm-hmm. and Edward Norton. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was his first Oscar nomination out of three, I think he's got in total, Edward Norton. This is his first feature film. This was. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, he was amazing. Well, and just to think about the character too, this means he's been playing that person since he arrived in Chicago. Because everyone in Chicago knew him as Aaron. So does that mean that he had the intent to do something sinister from the beginning and he was just playing it? He was playing it to elicit sympathy and get what he wanted. Right. And I think, I don't think the multiple personalities, I'm going to kill this guy thing was the intent right from the beginning. I think he came in and was like, well, basically getting charity is going to be a lot easier than getting a job. So I'll play this mm. poor, pathetic kid and get get some sympathy. And then he was being made to do this stuff. And he's like, well, like, I've got a secret. I can use it eventually. Right? Yeah. Um, and then he was able, once he did do it, he's like, well, I'm smart enough. I can spin it as, like, they'll never believe it was me. You know what I mean? Because his reputation in Chicago, everyone who knew him there was as, like, a weak person. So He kind of reminds me of Wild Bill from Green Mile. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, why are all these serial killer people from Kentucky? These I don't characters? know. Did you notice his accent also changed when he was out in and out of character? It became stronger. It was yeah. still the same accent, but it became right. stronger. Yeah. I didn't think that playing insanity was that easy as it's portrayed in movies. Like, I didn't think that you just, oh, okay, you go to hospital for a month and you're out. Is that essentially what happened to him by the end of this movie? Just to recap. He was not going to be sentenced as a criminal. He was going to go to seek treatment and however long that treatment took. Yeah. Okay. For some reason, I thought there was a month timeline on it, 30 days. Well, because the female lawyer, Janet, um, she's like, he'll be out in a month. That's right. why. Um, okay. We don't actually know. Right. She was probably just exaggerating. But yeah, he'll be out soon. Is what yeah. Richard Gere says. And she's saying, even if he is nuts, he just tried to choke me. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, even if he is sick, he just, like, he is dangerous, evidently. He killed somebody and he just tried to kill me. Can I just say, I really do love the ending. Yeah. Because once he knows for sure, like, once Richard Gere knows that he did it for sure, mm-hmm. and that he helped him get off with a much better plea after he goes to hospital, I feel like that he was really questioning, what the hell is he doing? And I feel like that's what that hard cut at the end is. He's, like, walking out and he's like, oh, not only has this guy been lying the entire time, he killed the Archbishop. Oh, he threw in that he also killed this other girl. Is it Laura? What was her name? Linda. Linda. And I helped him do it the entire time. Like, not intentionally, of course, but I feel like... The entire movie, his character is, I don't care if you did or didn't, that's not my job, right? And then by the end, I feel like he is questioning it. I feel like he's questioning, I really shouldn't be doing this. What was the point of any of that? Well, because when he's talking, remember when he's talking to the journalist, he's like, you print any of this, I'll sue your ass. Um, He said he does it because he believes that people are innocent until proven guilty and that he wants to believe that there is good in people, 
which yeah. you kind of see with Joey Panero, who's his mob friend, yeah. um, because he helps him get off. He's probably selling drugs or something, but he's still giving back to his community. That's exactly right, yeah. Right? So he's like, you're doing the wrong thing, but you're doing it for the right reasons, so I respect you. I was a little confused as to what happened with his storyline, because he was killed, but I'm not sure why. Um, so Shaughnessy... I think he's in with the police or something. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, um, that, that whole thread sort of missed me. And they were pissed off because Marty got him off. He took a plea. So instead of going to jail, he right. actually got a $1.5 million settlement. So they're like, you're a fucking asshole. So they were mad. And because he showed that tape in court, they went and killed him. Mm. I was just going to anyway. ask, do you think that there's a good chance that the jury's not going to understand or follow along. Like, if I can't understand... And the jury's meant to be picked from a random bunch of people from the community, your peers. Mm-hmm. Is it... I would think that it happens quite often where the jury members are like, I'm not following this at all. I don't understand it. As someone who's actually been on a jury, I still don't really understand it. Isn't mm-hmm. the judge there to make the judgment call? I was saying this yesterday. I don't understand it either. Um... But based on what I saw, the judge is there to ensure that the information that the jury is being given is fair, just, and legal. Right. So why don't you just get lawyers to argue it out instead of getting random people? Their job is to try their... Oh, you mean why don't you get lawyers to... Oversee Yeah, it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure know. either. Um, anyways, wh- what I was saying before about... Um, the end scene, like the very end hard cut scene, and you're saying, like, he's probably questioning, like, why am I doing this? The reason he does what he does is because he ultimately believes in the good of people, and he just got so played. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, he yeah. he actually thought he didn't do it. Like, usually, he, like, he says, I don't care, but he actually thought he didn't do it. So he actually, like, developed a soft spot for this kid. And was doing his best to help him because he actually believed in him. And it's like, not only did you just play me, but I just let basically a serial killer, right? Because he's killed more than one people. I just helped a psychopath murderer back out into the community. Well, is he allowed to then go get tried for the murder of Linda? No, because he'd be breaking the confidentiality of... I thought you, you there's a couple of exemptions, like one or two, that you're allowed to break confidentiality and it's if they're going to harm themselves, if they've killed other people, if they're planning on a terrorist attack, those sort of things. I feel like that that's a thing. I don't think that applies to lawyers. That really? applies to healthcare people. No wonder people like, don't counselors. like defense lawyers. <laughs> mm. Like you can be disbarred. You can lose your license to practice yeah. law if you break that. Because you're breaking, like, that's a right. I feel like there should be some rules there, you know? Because there's, like, there's a dead lady out there somewhere, and you can't give them the information that you know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. I really did love the ending, because it Mm. was just a great summary. Just that last shot before it cuts to the credits. That last shot in particular, without saying anything really shows Vale's character arc. Yeah. Well, and I love it because it's just like, he just stops there and he's like, fuck, fuck. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's the look on his face and then that's the end of it. Um, So you don't know what happens. 
Yeah. You just you're just left with that. You can't. Fuck even, well, it doesn't feeling. really matter because from that point forward, he can't do anything. It's final. This guy's going yeah. off to this hospital. The case is over. Any information so, he now has, he can't give out. So it doesn't literally matter. Literally and figuratively, it's over. It's the over, yeah. Yeah, it's the end. He just, man, he just knows that he's been played. And I really feel like he's questioning what his purpose was in the whole thing. What was his role? Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that because he seems, he was so confident for the entire movie. Not confident necessarily in his job and his case because he was losing for a bit there, but confident in who he is and why he does what he does. Well, and you know what probably made it worse too is that he did it for free. Yeah. He did it because <laughs> he wanted to, you know, like you're not even getting paid for it. Like, I oh, think this is an interesting case that's high up in the press. Yeah. Like generally speaking, you might be able to like rationalize your way out of it because you're like oh i'm just doing my job i was paid to do my job like no you did this because you wanted to yeah you reached out to him like it was just there's so many levels so you liked it hey i really did yeah i can definitely see myself watching it again yeah and i bet you it would be a very different watch watching it the second time oh it totally was like right from the beginning i feel like twist endings were very 90s like the good ones I'm thinking just the yeah. amount of movies that we've covered on this podcast that are from the 90s. A lot of them. Like, even the other Edward Norton Fight Club, you've got seven. Yeah. We had The Usual Suspects. Yeah. That's the one with Kevin Spacey, right? Yeah. yeah There's a yeah. bunch. Sixth Sense. Mm. But yeah, so you were saying, you know, it'd probably be a very different watch the second time. And for mm. me, it was... Um, especially seeing the beginning, I knew, like, I didn't feel like, like I'd missed much. Like I got, um, you got the gist not of it, having, yeah. you know, and I saw the most important part of it. Like you can, I definitely was able to watch and appreciate the second half of that movie alone, but to go and watch it through knowing what happens, like as soon as he says, you know, I lose time. Like, did you, did you pick up on that? Right from the very beginning? Meaning that he blacks out? Yeah, like, did you have any idea what that meant? I felt like he was saying, I, I have blackouts. Yeah. Or I don't remember certain things, yeah. I thought it was a memory thing. Yeah, but to watch it knowing, like... First of all, knowing that, that he's meaning, pers- like, multiple personalities, and also knowing that he's faking it. Like, it's just, mm. it's it was really cool to watch, and it, it makes it that much more impressive. Well, and the fact that, like, he's so good at looking like a deer in the headlights. Oh, yeah. Very good actor. he's so good at eliciting sympathy. Just to think about, like, not even even Ed Norton, but the character. No, yeah, the character and the actor. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It was interesting for me towards the end there when he had the the twist reveal is it sort of clicked for me at the same point that it clicked for Richard Gere's character because he said, tell her sorry for her neck. I'm like, wait a minute. He said that... I was, like, side-looking at you because I'm like, this is the point, this is the point, yeah. but I didn't want, like, I, I didn't want to cue you. I I'm wanted like, I, it. I thought he said he didn't remember anything while he was... What? <laughs> and he's like, wait a minute, what'd you say? Yeah, it was a great reveal. Yeah. I also, like, appreciate the amount of really strong women in this. There's probably yeah. more than there are men. Um, well, not only, like, Laura Linney's character, but the 
psychologist. Judge. I love Frances McDormand, the judge. She is amazing. She oh my is God. Uh, Frances McDormand. Yeah, I love yeah. her. Oh, yeah. We should just, like, run through her filmography and just watch everything she's in. Yes. She's in some great stuff. This is one of the, like, more mellow things I've ever seen her in. She is so good. Like, yeah. I love her so much because she's so good at playing a badass bitch. Um, yeah. Whereas this one, like, she was just really intelligent, you know? And yet firm. She's always just firm. Mm. She's got those eyes. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Mm. I really liked it. I'm just, I'm really glad you liked it because I was sitting on this one for a long time being like, I want to know what he thinks. I want to know what he thinks. And and uh, I'm glad you liked it because I think the plot was awesome. I think it was written well. I think it was acted so well. I honestly think like the cinematography, like for what it was, it was, it was good. You know, like it wasn't a shitty, the way it was filmed wasn't shitty. It's definitely up my alley. I'd love to see more of these kind of compelling 90s dramas. That's my wheelhouse. That's what it was, is it's it's a good 90s drama. Like, a lot of... That's that's it. A lot of really, like, good, like, I just want to sit down and watch this movie is our 90s movies. Yeah. Yeah. I probably could have done without the relationship between Laura Lenny and Richard Gere. Like, I wish that their relationship and the amount that they knew about each other was purely professional because they've been working alongside each other so many times they said that they were at a previous firm together i didn't need it to be like a past sexual relationship it seemed a bit cliche but that's my only thing yeah i think it i think it could have been a bit more compelling too because i think it would have been a bit more like headbutting and like callous which could have been interesting mm. um i think it would be more interesting if she had this hatred for him purely professionally because that That's means what I that mean. yeah. he's fucked her around a lot or he's fucked around clients and stuff and she's been watching that. Um, it feels like she has more hatred for him because there was a sexual relationship involved. Whereas if you took that away and said it was only re- professional, then that says more about who they are as characters. I, like, it does and it makes it more justified. Yeah. You know? That's my only thing. It's only a small thing. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, like, how is this not a conflict of interest? And how is... Y'all are being really, like, not professional in the in the amount that you're meeting with each other, like, outside of court during the case. Yeah. 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 Anyway, I'm really glad you liked it. We have been Danielle and Brenton this week. Thanks for joining us. Feel free to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on all the socials. We're most active on Instagram, and you can follow us on Facebook, comment on SoundCloud or YouTube, or support us on Patreon. And until next week, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.